TuxJam, combining Linux news with Creative Commons goodness. Hello and welcome to TuxJam 42 and we're recording this on the 25th of May, which is Towel Day for aficionados of Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And if you have no idea why I just said all of that, then you probably want to go and do a web search on Towel Day and the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Anyway, Gavi, how are you? I am very well, yes. I seem to have been doing a, a fair bit of podcasting over this last weekend. I mean, I haven't done anything in about five weeks, and I get hit, I think, with three podcasts on the weekend. <laughs> Yes, that's right. There was one that I was supposed to join you in and I failed to turn up. Uh, what was the, the other one? I had I recorded Cravens on Friday, the HPR special on Saturday, and then Tux Jam tonight, which is Monday. Oh, you're a busy boy, aren't you? I appear to be, yes. And the odd thing is, it's not like we even record weekly anymore. They just happen to, <laughs> they just happen to all fall on the same weekend. But that's the way it goes, and I'm more than happy to do it, perfectly honest. Coming up on the show, so you're going to look at Risk OS. And I believe, was it on the Raspberry Pi 2? That's right, on my brand new Raspberry Pi 2. It's very first outing, so yep, that's coming up. Ooh, and we're both going to take a wee look at Simple Do. Is it, is that, I said that right, the Android app? Simple Do, yes. <laughs> I almost can't stop laughing when I, when I say the name out loud. It doesn't look so bad on the screen, but when you say Simple Do out loud, you feel like a bit of an idiot. I don't know. All I can think of is simply be. When I, you know, when you said simple, do I like simply be? What? Why are we looking at at, at catalogs? So yes, yeah, so we've got that, and we're going to take a wee look at that. I'm going to take uh, the briefest of looks at G News. It's and it's going to be a very brief uh, look, uh, as well as for those of us who likes to get our hands dirty with a command line. I'm going to look at RTorrent and Three Camel on the. Android phone. So before we go ahead and do that though, let's take a look as we always do at the latest releases that are of interest to us. Yeah, well the very first one that caught my eye was the first one on the page as we happened to look at it and it's a release called, a uh, distribution release uh, call, called Web Converger 30.0. Goodness, 30, that's quite a high version number. It's based on um, uh, Debian GNU Linux, and I guess there's quite a few of those because Debian had uh, uh, had its Jesse release quite recently. So, um, but this one's interesting because it's specifically designed for web kiosks. Um, so you know, like sort of, you know, simple, um, uh, simple, uh, maybe almost thin client type uh, uh, type uh, setups that you might get in coffee shops, or whatever. Um, yeah, so I, uh, I I haven't tried it as we don't, we don't usually try it, but I, I couldn't help noticing that it comes with a, a live CD, not a DVD, a live CD image, giving you an idea of the kind of people that they're, they're aiming at. Maybe even uh, you know we're talking like uh, uh, setups in, in in less well developed countries where they're using older hardware, they maybe don't have uh, great internet access. DVDs are not so easy to come by. I don't know what the motiva motivation is there, but it even talks about using a an i four eight six kernel. That is, you know, that is a really old school kernel. Oh yes, definitely. And but mind you, I suppose it's 
it's it's important to keep these things uh, at the same time because if somebody is only wanting to run a kiosk, you know, do we really need to be supplying them with three gig uh, images? So I suppose you know when you think about if it's just purely for the kiosk and if you're looking at you know a simple task, do one thing well, maybe. Uh, for four hundred and seven meg, you know, it's, it's you could, they could almost double that, and it probably it'll still almost fit on a CD. But I think it's it's one thing that's important is that they keep on, you know, taking these out, but cater for everybody. I mean, that this might well do everybody in the Western world, and also everybody kind of in the developing world where internet isn't that uh, consistent that they can download two, three gigs at a time. The one thing that I did actually uh, note was. And I don't know if I agree with this part. Uh, reading the notes is that it's uh, this distro is traditionally based on Debian testing. Uh, to me, I think if I was maybe I know it's good to get the cutting edge stuff, but if I was you know running my business on this, I think I might want to stay away from the testing branch. I know it's not cutting edge and it's not like unstable, but I think I probably would still want to go on the more stable. Personally, I mean my opinion. Yeah, especially if you're if you're dealing with uh, you know you know you're dealing with uh, software that's designed to to run in uh, quite modest hardware, you wouldn't really be wanting the, the latest bells and whistles, would you? No, not particularly. Now the next one that caught my eye was one that I tried fairly recently, and this is PCBSD ten point one point two. I did try this, and I must admit it was fairly straightforward to use. Uh, that was my first ever attempt at, uh, no, it was my second attempt, my first time running a BSD. It was fairly straightforward to use. If you were kind of comfortable with Linux, then, you know, it, it should be pretty straightforward. The one problem I had, personally, was getting them to read each other, because BSD didn't seem to want to read my X4 uh, formatted disks, despite me following several guides, and my Linux didn't really want to read the, I've forgotten now what it is, ZFS, uh, despite installing several programs that told me, yes, this will do this if you install this. So, but I must admit, as far as you get everything, get the basics, it's got a nice setup. When you actually install it, it asks you what you want, and it's a very nice install, n- no command line, uh, apart from maybe the initial part of it, uh, I think that is what there was of it in the very initial. The one problem you will find is that the it does wipe grub and it comes up with just purely PCBSD. And then if you reinstall from a Linux distro, I'll pre-warn you, it will not discover PCBSD. Or it didn't in my thing. But I must admit, I only played about with it for a couple of days. But if you like that... If you like the idea of BSD, then I would re- highly recommend FireOn. As far as usability goes, certainly it's very usable. Obviously, you've got the problem with it being BSD, so there's not uh, quite the range of software, but uh, anybody going from Windows to Linux has already experienced that. Yes, I think if you're going to get tangled up with BSD, I think you'd probably, you know, a fairly advanced user, user, and uh, and you can, ex- you know, so it's fair enough to expect people to uh, to configure their own uh, uh, boot managers. Um, but yes, uh, yes, uh, very important to be warned of that before you trash a, a production system. Uh, 
And the next one that caught my eye was, I've never heard of it before. It's called Handy Linux. And it's got quite a nice little logo, sort of hand, with the Debian spiral attached to it. And um, it's a Debian-based distribution for French speakers. And indeed, the release announcement is in French. So I tried to read it and I didn't get very far. My French isn't terrible, but it's not good enough really to, <laughs> to, to speed read a, uh, a distro release announcement. However, from what I can gather, um, uh, again, it's I think it's looking at f older hardware. And interestingly, it comes with the Orca screen reader to assist visually impaired folk. Um, I don't know if the whole distro is geared up in that way particularly, but it does mention that. Uh, another thing I noticed um, is that it has a, a BT share data, the BT share data sharing tool, which I thought at first meant BT as in British Telecom. Uh, the, the, I think the, it the, might be BitTorrent in this case. <laughs> yes, but yes, and then it, then if I read on, you're right, is in fact BitTorrent. But I thought that was very strange from a, for, uh, especially given that it's French, so it's not BT in that sense. Definitely in the BitTorrent sense. Yeah, I've not not one I've ever heard of, I must admit. But then again, if it's aimed at French, then, you know, I didn't even get past the first and second year French stuff in school. So the thought of running a Linux distro in the language really just doesn't seem to appeal to me. Now, one that I'm going to break the rules here a wee bit. Normally, I only look at full releases, but Ike Doherty has released. Now, this one has confused the heck out of me. Uh, he was working on Solus OS and he then started he f f stopped that and started working on evolve os now it says they've got a new developmental release of solus which was formerly known as evolve OS. i'm going oh this is just too confusing however i did actually download the the recent update it's it was very very uh, polished again didn't crash the live version at all uh, lovely i think he's really working along the lines uh, wrong right the right lines because you know it worked out of the out of the box for me i didn't have the nvidia crashes that i usually have with the the packaged uh graphics driver it was uh, very nice it's built on gnome stack but it looks absolutely nothing like gnome to be honest it you can't even say it's like it's the closest thing it's probably kind of like is uh like a LXDE or possibly an XFC, but it's not, it's different from that. It looks far more polished. I think it, things are really working well. I couldn't get it to install. I got, every time I tried to install it, I got on boot up, I got a kernel panic. So it's not quite, maybe not quite ready for everybody yet, but he's definitely on the, along the right lines. Yes, indeed. Yes, I remember uh, your review not so long, so long ago. The next one that caught my eye was one, a fairly rare thing, but it's one that's based on uh, Slackware. And as folks that listen to this uh, podcast know that, I'm, uh, that I use Slackware and been using it for a long time, but I've never heard of this one before, and I'm not entirely sure I'm going to say it correctly. It's Conochat OS. Uh, 14.1, so I guess it would be based on Slackware 14.1, but I noticed the kernel version 3.10.77 is uh, the the 77 is more recent than Slackware 14.1, so I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, and it also seems to be like other distros we've mentioned tonight, um, based on fairly minimal hardware requirements. So uh, again, I'm pretty sure I saw 
486 being mentioned somewhere in the write-up, so it's certainly 32-bit uh, hardware being uh, being supported. And it's based on Slackware and another Slackware der derivative called Salix OS. But the big difference is that it's fully free. That is, no uh, proprietary, non-free software or blobs or firmware. So if you like Slackware like me, and you want to go down the, the free route, uh, then this is perhaps one for you. And again, fits in the CD at 638 megabytes. Yes, and appears to only be two gig from when it's it was uh, from when it's installed. So that's actually you know doesn't you could if you're a really old computer with a 20 gig hard drive, that's plenty. So uh, yes, yeah, I mean it, something to think about if you've got uh, an old computer sitting in a cupboard or something somewhere. Definitely worth. It trying out there. The last one that's really kind of caught my eye, I don't know, you may have another one after this, but one that I've often meant to take it out just purely because it always looks so polished, but it, it just for some reason I'd never get around to looking at it, and that's Nutix. I don't know what it is about Nutix, but they, they seem to put an awful lot of effort into how things look. They really do a decent job. The, now, Nutix is built on uh, Linux from scratch, so it it literally is it's not just your normal debian derivative the i think if i remember rightly the default is kde although they have been announcing that they're looking heavily at the razor qt which is now oh what's it now called uh lxqt i think is the latest version so obviously they'll be going to that so we're uh it, it's one of those ones that always to me looks uh looks very interesting i just haven't got around to doing it what puts me off it in one sense, though, is it's a completely custom uh, package management. And one of the things I've always problems I've always had with that is whenever you get a completely independent and customized package management system, like for example, when I reviewed Paldo, is there just simply aren't very many applications available that you don't have to build from source. And when you get a tie, you think, okay, that's not too bad, but You've got to think when you build something from source, you've got to build all those dependencies from source as well. And that's one thing that always kind of puts me off the smaller, the smaller distros for, for that reason. Yes, I see what you mean. On the plus side, though, it is good to have people doing something truly original, not just respinning uh, one of the, the major distributions that's starting from, in my case, it uses Linux from scratch, but as anyone who's been through Linux from scratch knows, actually, even once you finish Linux from scratch, you're very far away from uh, any kind of production usable system. You know, you don't even have a window manager, I don't think you have network support, any of that. Um, so to go the whole hog and to have a custom package manager um, uh, and other bits and pieces, uh, you know, it really is quite an endeavour. So my hat's off to them for, for trying that. And, and you're correct, they're still using KDE. Um, and surprisingly, KDE is not as heavy as people assume it is. It can be quite lightweight. I think uh, another, another um, Slackware-based distro that uses KDE, which is called Slacks, uh, proved that it really has a fairly small install base and ran quite acceptably in fairly modest hardware. So KDE isn't quite the resource hog you, you might think. And to prove it, the ISO for this distribution that has a KDE full in, well, a KDE install uh, and inside it is only 202 megabytes. There you go. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I've downloaded music albums bigger than that. <laughs> so... <laughs> 
uh, yeah, so certainly, like I said, it's worth a try. Go and have a look. It certainly is very well polished. That's one thing. And Nutix has always been like that. It's always one of those ones. I think that's probably why it catches my eye. Um, maybe of the Vayner type and the graphics. That's a graphical person coming out and me saying, oh, it's worth just purely for that. Give it a look. <laughs> but who knows? It might be one of those things I may actually give a spin and surprise people because I keep on saying I'm going to try these things. But, uh, you know, always potential for that future Tux Jam show. Indeed, yes, I'll be quite interested to see that. As I say, very interested in somebody who's built something truly from the ground up. Yes, indeed. Right then. So, I think uh, we've probably heard enough waffle from us. Will we have a wee track? Yes, let's have some music. Right, this is by Tamara Laurel, and there is a line.
Now then, for two distro reviews. Yes, you heard me, two distro reviews in one section. Now, before you go and get the slippers on and get the cocoa and think this is going to take forever, no, it won't, trust me. I hit the random distro button this month on DistroWatch. I never do, but I thought, let's give it a try. And it came up with uh, GNUSense. And I thought, okay, I've heard a wee bit about this. It's a completely free distro, so nothing at all happening uh, that's going to be proprietary no binary blobs no anything like that so i'm happy to give this a try because i had tried uh blag i think it was before and had a reasonable success with it i also tried um triscoll uh, and was really very impressed with that to be perfectly honest i didn't expect all this stuff to work as well as it did so i thought yeah let's give it a go now, as far as installing goes, it's a very typical Debian install. It's a text install. There was the option for graphical, but it was further down the list. Thought, no, no, it's okay. I'm quite happy to go text. And you get a very, very standard Debian install. It detected my hardware, no problem. It found everything. It went through the install dead easy. One thing I didn't like was when, because I always test multiple distros, I always have, just for consistency, I always make sure that I do not install Grub. Uh, this, no matter how many times I told it to skip the process or even back up and move to the one below install Grub, it still kept on installing it. So in the end, what I had to do was I didn't want my Grub menu wiped. So I decided, right, I'll install Grub on the partition that I'm putting this in. So I, that means it won't actually boot from it. And it did. So that was one of my minor annoyances. But that was minor. On loading it up, the first thing I noticed was it looked hideous. Oh, my word. It's like one of those times back in the days when Windows would crash and it would start back up in safe mode. This uh, really looked terrible. And it was shrunk. There was about a kind of 40 mil border all the way around my screen, which that annoyed me for the start. But, I mean, the, the quality of the imaging was terrible. So I thought, okay, fair enough. I've got an NVIDIA graphics card, and it, my graphics card doesn't particularly seem to like the Nouveau driver. So I thought, let's give it a chance. And I had a wee look. Now, it, it looks very dated, to be perfectly honest. The, I did check DistroWatch, and it said that the release came out in... Uh, the, it was in November or December of 2014, which is a wee while ago, but it's based on Debian Stable, so you, you know we have to expect a bit of delays. But it looks exceptionally dated. It's like the way uh, the main GNOME 2 distros were looking back in 2009, even down to the fact it still has OpenOffice installed. Now, tried all these things. Uh, they all seem to run perfectly well. That was all fine. The, but then I noticed, why is this browser not doing anything? Ah, okay. It did. I noticed the cross next to the network connection. So I thought, that's strange, given it's a wired connection. Nope, didn't pick up my, uh, graph, my network card at all, despite the fact it installed fine and used to, the, that to pull in the data. Uh, then I noticed it would it actually told me I had no network connections at all. So even the Wi-Fi, which I never used in this computer, that card was not detected either. So I had absolutely zilch a way of connecting to the internet. <laughs> this gets even better. I thought, let's see if it uh, 
if it's going to play MP3s out of the box, because I do have a few MP3s from some podcasts that I listen to. Double clicked, it appeared to start up, and I got Zilcho sound. Couldn't get any sound working. It did not seem to want to detect my driver, so it was trying to push the sound out of the HDMI. Unfortunately, my monitor doesn't have any built-in speakers. Tried changing it. Nope, nope, absolutely no option for that. So <laughs> I suppose this is one of your main downsides of having a completely free distro. I I don't have a rare graphics card. I've got the Sound Blaster, oh, sorry, the, the Sound Card. I've got the Sound Blaster or the GSE. So I've never actually had it not work on Linux before, but this one proved wrong. Uh, the graphics, like I said, were uh, utterly atrocious. This was not even up to the Nouveau quality. This was really was a simple yeah, graphics, but I think the biggest thing was not being able to get my internet connected at all. I went onto a few forums with my phone and with phone beside me and tried a few different things, gave up in the end because a lot of the people who had actually spoken about, I didn't actually look on GNU Sense straight away or GNU Sense. Uh, I just rather did Debian for this and wasn't coming up. This didn't seem to be an issue. But when I put it in for GNUSense, everybody who had my network card had this problem. Everyone who had the same sound card, everyone who had the same graphics card. But the best is all of these threads were unsolved. And these were, some of these went back two, three years ago. So at this point, I just decided, you know what? Life's too short. So... I don't have a problem in principle with completely free distros, but if you're going to do it, you've got to at least, I'd think, make sure it kind of works. And I would double check before you went and said install. This wasn't a live CD. This was an install. So if you're going to go ahead and install it, then please check, is it actually going to work with your hardware? So overall, for me personally, it was a big thumbs down. Oh dear. Well, that, of course, is reminiscent of the early days of Linux, where you really did have to do your homework. Uh, and maybe even if you're building a computer, go out and buy the right bits that w w would be likely to work with uh, uh, with uh, Linux. But those days are long in the past for Linux. But I can see, without the binary, binary blobs and proprietary bits and pieces, um, that you are going to struggle with... Um, these you know certain uh, bits of hardware so so it's a bit sad to hear um but i suppose if you want freedom uh, and that's what's most important to you then you have to be prepared to put in the effort it's it's not going to come uh without a bit of extra effort uh it's sad to say it but that seems to be seems to be the way of it doesn't it Yes, it is. And well, the one thing I will say is actually for the, those freedom lovers, Blag had absolutely no problem. It wasn't the nicest looking distro, but I had no problem with any of my hardware. Uh, Triskel was brilliant. It ran everything. So surprised me, actually. So to be honest, this uh, this almost looks like it was just so stuck in its past, stuck in its ways that it refused to evolve at all. I mean, honestly, I don't believe if you picked up a CD from, uh, let's just say, 10-odd year ago, that it would be very different to this, just version numbers. You know, it it, it really, it, that's what it reminded me of. It reminded me of when I started using Linux, when, you know, as you say, nothing actually would work. By, you couldn't get, you couldn't take for granted things worked. You had to go and literally search things. That's what this reminded me of. 
Yeah, very interesting that those other free distros worked. Did they work in the same hardware that you tried this on? Yeah, it's my same computer. It's my desktop computer. That's what I try everything on as a desktop. It's real. I'd have to be on holiday or specifically looking for uh, a laptop distro if I was going to try it on my laptop. So just for consistency, I always use the same uh, the same hardware. Oh, that is interesting. Well, um, from that, uh, we can move on to talk about my experience with this draw, which was RiskOS. And, uh, and and this brings up an interesting point, that uh, RiskOS uh, is the one I tried was for the Raspberry Pi, and I was trying my brand new Raspberry Pi 2, which has not been tried with anything yet. Um, so I, th- I thought I would jump in at the deep end and try it with... Um, with well, well, what's described in the Raspberry Pi.org site as a third-party option, and that's Risk OS, and Risk being uh, the reduced instruction set um, processor, and that's exactly what ARM is. Uh, uh, the idea is that some time ago people proposed that rather than have these b- big complicated instruction set CPUs like the Intel ones, the x86 are now developed into our 64-bit versions, rather than have those big complicated instruction sets, you would go with a, a reduced instruction set, and uh, that would bring advantages of of uh, power uh, in your power consumption and hopefully some simplification advantages in in various ways now at this time actually believe it or not i was in the right place at the right time to be this is in gosh this is but guess when acorn archimedes came out for british people i'm not sure how famous the acorn archimedes would be outside the uk but in the mid to late uh, sorry early sorry uh, early 90s I encountered it when I was at Glasgow University and I actually got to writing assembler to get extra juice out of the the computers back then and that was so I was programming and uh, you know right up at the the processor level with, with assembler on these risk things so I do have a you know a bit of an interest in risk OS now what I remember of the Archimedes operating system at that time bears almost no resemblance to what I saw today in RiskOS, so it's not like I, this was a blast from the past for me. So I downloaded the image. It was quite small. It was only 99 uh, mega megabytes, which is quite small, and uh, just wrote it to the SD card in the normal way. I got a bit of a surprise, because not having used a Raspberry Pi 2 before, I, I, uh, I didn't at first know where I was supposed to put my SD card, uh, because it's now you now have a micro SD card. Luckily, it was one of those, I had one of those micro SD cards that was inside an in adapter to a full-sized SD card. So I just took the little micro SD card out and then found the, the place to slot it in the, the Raspberry Pi 2. And I immediately hit something that I think I heard Ben Everard on Linux Voice say, that you have to be careful when you pick up the Raspberry Pi 2 because it's all too easy to click the last micro SD card and it'll come back out, which will not do your (laughs) running Raspberry Pi any good whatsoever. So you have to watch for that. So I did do that once. Um, I had a little faff with HDMI, but I think that was more to do with the the old television I was plugging it into. But I have to say, RiskOS worked perfectly first time, booted up, Full um, the full uh, quite high res screen that uh, the Raspberry Pi two can uh, uh, can can handle, which I think actually is the same resolution as the old Raspberry Pi. Um, I forget the, the exact resolution, but it's quite a high resolution. Um, and then uh, and then 
I, you know, I got straight into playing with with Risk OS. It feels basic. It feels like um, if you're used to Linux, it feels a bit like a, the FVWM Windows Manager. So that kind of simplicity, um, but but very snappy, very responsive. I'm sure, Kevy, you'd find it quite ugly, but it, it it was a bit retro, but not not hideous. Certainly, not like you described a moment ago. Um, and it was a nice little welcome thing in the web browser with, that ran in local files. And the first thing I did was try and fire up some applications. And that's when I hit my first hurdle because I kept clicking on these applications, but no window would open. And then I was getting very confused. But then I noticed on the sort of icon bar, the taskbar, I forget what they call it. I think it's got an icon bar is what they call it. Over on the right-hand side, little icons were appearing I hadn't noticed, so I clicked on them and discovered that every time I tried to launch an app, it hadn't opened the window, but it had put an icon on this little taskbar over on the right-hand side. And I thought, that's weird. Why would you not want it to open the window if you launch an application? Surely you want it to appear somewhere in this, you know, opened in the screen. So that was a bit odd. The other thing that's odd is it assumes a three-button mouse, which is okay because most mice effectively have three buttons with the mouse wheel uh, being a button. Um, but the, the counterintuitive thing was to get a menu, you had to press the middle mouse button, which is a mouse wheel. Um, but I read that instruction, so yeah, it wasn't too much of a surprise. The, well, that, mind you, with... that actually is going back to the old Archimedes. I remember that the, the middle button was the menu. Ah, okay. Well, I mean, it, well, I mean, it, this has evolved from that uh, from that operating system. Although I don't think I ever used the GUI version of it. I think I only ever used a, a more primitive uh, pre-GUI Windows version. Well, not pre-GUI version of it. Um, and then, uh, so then my next thing, I thought, well, I can't, uh, I can't download any packages. I can't browse the web. I can't do any of that because I've got no network connection. So. Um, I uh, I thought I'm not going to fight with the I've got a USB wireless dongle I'm not going to fight with that so I stuck in the USB cable not a USB cable an Ethernet cable and then uh, managed to find without too much trouble the networking tool and it said it was going to do DHCP and it said it had found it, and I could see the light flickering in the in the Ethernet uh, plug so I knew the hardware was working but it doesn't seem to want to talk to the DHCP server in my router, so I, I didn't know why. Then I read the instructions, and I found that you have to sort of enable it, which I'd done. Then you had to save the setting, and then, to my complete surprise, you had to reboot completely from scratch to get it to connect to the network, which, you know, I'm thinking, I don't think I've ever had to do that, even in the dark days of Windows, when I was a reboot required to connect to the network. So... Uh, reboot I did, and it, re it actually boots up really fast, I have to say. I don't know whether that's the Raspberry Pi 2 or whether that's um, RiscOS, but I've never seen a Raspberry Pi boot so fast before. It was really just a matter of 10 seconds, I think. And sure enough, it connected to the network, and I could download packages, and um, yep, and I was able to do that. The package manager was basic, but it seemed to work. Unfortunately, I, I did go for some games, you know, uh, and the first game I tried was called Aleph Aleph, none, Aleph, not, something like that, uh, a 3D uh, shoot 'em up, uh, first person shooter. Unfortunately, installed, but wouldn't work. I then tried a 2D um, game called Alien Blaster. That, that installed, it opened a window and then closed again, didn't work. Um, so it wasn't 
too excited about this. And then I thought, well, I'll go for something really basic. So I went for this anagram game, and uh, and I played that for a bit, and it did work. Uh, I couldn't get any of the anagrams, though. It, it seemed to be inventing words from other languages, as far as I was concerned. Um, but it did work. Um, so, um, and then, I, yeah, I just... I just had a go with the rest of the operating system, so and 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 found it fairly easy to use, but very very basic. In fact, the the the, the Notepad type program that I used, I couldn't help noticing that it was dated 1995, which I, I assume was when somebody last significantly added to the code, <laughs> which shows you the vintage of the thing that you're using here. So all in all, I would say it's it's interesting. It's it's different. It's not Linux. It's not Windows. It's 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 of a complete. It's not Unix really. It's uh, it's, it's, a, it's completely different pedigree. Um, so if you're curious about something that's really quite different, um, then uh, and something that's intrinsically you know sorry is deliberately designed to work in a risk processor, which is what an ARM processor is, uh, then this is quite interesting. So I would put it in the class uh, you know of um, not something that I would I would use day to day, but something that actually is good to play around with from a, 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 an interest point of view. Uh, another one wa- would be um, MicroOS, um, Mike Saunders' uh, uh, distribution that, that runs basically inside a uh, from a, a boot sector or a, uh, you know a sort of startup of, of old BIOSes. Um, it, it, it's like that, but more advanced than that, obviously. Um, but it, it's, it sits in that little niche where, you know, for somebody who wants to get to know an operating system, understand something a bit different. Yeah, I would recommend it for that. But I really couldn't see myself using it day to day for anything. I must admit, when you said about the the middle mouse button being the menu, that did bring back the memories. Uh, was it? Did it boot straight into a GUI? Yes. Oh yes, yeah. No, it was very. I have to say, it was very elegant. Uh, it had a sort of uh, graphical boot splash screen as well. So, <laughs> you know, it's not like it's uh, it's it's completely retro and primitive. And you know, it, 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 it you know somebody's put a bit of love into the appearance. Not beautiful, but you know, quite acceptable. I seem to remember. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but. Back in the day, see, I I trained in this as well uh, using the Archimedes. Uh, F12 used to hit, get you straight into a command prompt, and the command prompt would appear at the bottom. And if you ever want to leave the command prompt, just press Enter, uh, with without any code or anything, like that, and it would get you straight back to a fully. It basically the command prompt would disappear. Uh, yeah, that was my first ever experience of the command line. I think was using that well okay bbc micro was before but of the what i would consider to be the more the, the newer you know tower pc uh most people had uh to their shame windows pcs but uh the school used the archimedes uh in my late in my last few years there and that's what i actually used and i remember my mate had uh here, I kind of pimped up version. It was very, I mean, the Archimedes were always kind of slightly smaller than the PC, the norm, the Windows PCs, but he had what was like a pimped up version. It, was, it looked like physically like a Windows PC, but it was a very powerful Archimedes. I remember going over to his, I was going, wow, this is something new. Uh, but it was, uh, I must admit, yeah, I, I did, I do have fond memories. So it is maybe, I think I'd like to try it just to see if I do have any, because obviously I did have experience with the GUI and the command line version of the Archimedes uh, operating system. 
Ah, well, that's interesting. Well, while you were talking there, because I've got it sitting next to me at the moment, uh, I just hit F12, and sure enough, this little uh, strip across the bottom of the screen came up. Absolutely minuscule font, though, I have to say. Um, and it was asking me for exactly as you described. It was, it was there. So, yeah, I think you might appreciate it. You, know, you might find it more of a blast from the past than I I felt in that case. Yeah, that's it. So, oh my word, I'm going to end up, if we do ever get a summer, I'm going to probably end up losing it purely because I've got too many things to do for Tux Jam. <laughs> so there you go. So if you were, uh, yeah, if you if you had the experience of uh, the old Archimedes, then uh might be worth trying, especially from the sounds of it, if you had the experience with the GUI version of it. But yeah, so right. I think we've probably talked on long enough. This section's over 20 minutes. Wow. So let us go for... This is a track... I've played this artist before, I think. I certainly have played it on CC Jam, but I think I've played it on Tux Jam as well. This is Merva with This Is How We Stand.
welcome back and now we're going to take a, a bit of a, a change of direction and talk about some Android apps and you have looked at something that I know nothing about but I'm quite intrigued because it's called uh, Triple Camel. I found this on F-Droid fairly recently and I thought brilliant because I knew straight away what it was uh, if anybody is a shopper on Amazon, then they might well have heard of Camel, Camel, Camel. You can search anything on Amazon. When you click on it, instead of giving you all the information, it gives you all the stats, including uh, things like in graph form, the price, and this is the main reason, the price it's been over the last six months. And it shows you quite an amazing ups and downs and drops and things. It really is quite uh, quite impressive. I use it mainly for buying whiskey because whiskey is one of those things on Amazon that really does vary. A bottle, the same bottle can go from, you know, 26 odd pound up to 40 pound and no rhyme nor reason. It just seems to change all the time. And if you go to Camel, 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 uh, obviously don't forget if you look at the UK, Camel, 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 UK, type that in and you'll find it. Uh, it's a great facility but i thought when i seen brilliant it's got an app and it's open source so with great enthusiasm i stole installed triple camel and loaded it up and it's told me if you've loaded this up you've done so in error and i'm going oh great so give me an error message please install the amazon app and use it from that and i went okay right so i installed the amazon app and Rather disappointingly, the Amazon app's absolutely huge. I think it was about 30 meg or something. And I was like, whoa, this is a lot for, for what I was wanting. But anyway, keep going. So I couldn't actually just search like I can on the Camel 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 website. Then I thought, right, okay, I've looked at the product I want to monitor. How do I do this? No, nothing. I thought there's maybe going to be a button on the, the, cam, the triple camel might put a button on Amazon. By saying click here to open it in the camp no 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 what i did i had to go back in and open it again and it's of course it said if you've opened this you've done so an error yeah, yeah 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 right okay let me read it and it says in order to use this app you must install the amazon app okay check done that then find the thing you wish to look at yep check done that then now this is where it's really unintuitive you've got to go right the way to the bottom of it uh bottom of the whole description everything and there's a share button now obviously amazon have the reason for that is you want to share your stuff on twitter or facebook or social media or through email whatever but this puts a triple camel option on so you click on triple camel and it just redirects you in your browser to the page <laughs> now as i said from getting very much excited about seeing a triple camel or camel 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 uh, app, I suddenly realized this app is in fact utterly useless because Camel 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 on its own has got a reasonable website that's uh, quite readable on the mobile. So unfortunately, I really can't find any way to recommend it. However, I was just going to say, oh, forget it. This is not worth doing. However, the reason I did actually include it is just to more or less promote the website camel 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 because it may actually end up saving you quite a bit of money but i'm not utterly convinced it uses any open source software in camel 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 itself so although the app itself was useless it did hopefully help some tux jam listeners 
to potentially save some money. And if it's really worthwhile doing this, if you're thinking about buying something. So for one example, as I was looking at the Yola phone, it's amazing how much that actually fluctuates in a short period of time. It seems to go from £210 down to £180 uh, in quite uh, quick steps. So it is worthwhile looking at something, you know, okay, is, is the graph high, is it low? I think it could, it certainly is very useful. I think the app, this app had amazing potential, but as far as I can see, this app actually does nothing. It's it's little more than guiding you to another website. And it doesn't even open up in the Triple Camel app. It just opens up in your default browser. That just seems terrible. I mean, uh, just, I mean I've come across apps that, that are just a web browser ins- inside an app, and you think, what is the point of this? You know, that would actually but, be better. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, but I mean, to, to actually <laughs> just re- redirect you to your web browser, uh, what is the point? Might as well not bother. I didn't exactly get uh, get what I was wanting, but to be honest, like I said, if anybody hasn't heard of Camel, 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 then at least now, if they're Tuxedium listener, they have. Yes, indeed, and probably not going to bother hearing about it again, unfortunately. Oh, no, the, the app is yeah. a pile of rubbish, but the site itself is actually very good. It, it's very useful, I must admit. Yes, yeah, sorry, I meant only the only the app, yes. Um, okay, well, uh, the, the app that I uh, came across uh, the other day, again, it was totally out of need, that my, that my phone before I had... Um, an app that had things to do uh, was, and I'm trying to remember what it was called but I had a sort of things to do app but I've got a feeling that it got discontinued or wasn't supported or for some reason I couldn't get it anymore it was no longer being developed um, so I needed to find a new one and what I do is I sometimes use a calendar app like Google Calendar to, to remind me to do things but that's a pain because you know sometimes when you're in, you're in the middle of somewhere you don't want to have to go to the bother of opening up your calendar even in, in your phone and fiddling around it is too fiddly it wasn't I wanted to be a lot you know a, a things to do list basically that I used to used to back in the day I used to write it on a piece of paper now I don't want a piece of paper because I just lose it I want it on my phone and uh, and I, w- I looked through F-Droid I didn't go. I, I usually do this. I don't go to Google Play first. I'll go to Fdroid, and uh, and I page just through. I don't remember which section. One of the sections at Fdroid took me quite a while looking for, you know, things to do or to do lists. Um, but and there was and then I didn't find any at first. And then I went and looked and of you know because I was looking under the letter T basically, uh, and then I looked up a bit and I came under the letter S across a little app called Simple Do, and I thought, oh, that sounds exactly what I want. And then I looked at it, uh, installed it uh, through F-Droid, looked at it, and thought, this is beautiful. It just uh, it just does exactly what I want. You, um, you open the app, and it, uh, it has a little box where you type in the thing you want to enter in your to-do list. And if you don't want to type anything else, you just press go and it appears in your to-do list. But you can set a date, you can set a time, um, you can uh, set reminders, uh, you can group your items. Uh, like by default, it comes with 
uh, three groups, uh, well, no group work, personal, school, but I presume you can set up more than not, not actually use that. And you can set priority, low, medium, high. Again, I've even used that. Um, and so you can set the date and time and, uh, and turn a reminder on or off. And at this point, I think I've already, oh, not described almost all of the app to you. The only thing that's left is that once you've entered something, you then get um, a, a things to do list, which is organized overdue today and then uh, you know, points in the days in the future. And there's a very, I don't think there's even any settings. Um, uh, and I don't know if it's one of these apps that's so simple. I'm kind of hoping that the development will be restricted to just keeping it working on various versions of Android because uh, I don't think I want it to do anymore. Um, it's released under a, a GNU public, a general public license. It doesn't say which version on, inside the app. And uh, it's by a chap called James Frost. Um, I, I really couldn't recommend it uh, more highly if you want a very simple things to do list with the features that I've just described. Look no further. Yes, I must admit, I really liked it. You pointed it out to me, oh, let's give this a wee try. And yeah, a nice, simple to-do app. It's very, very easy. Just add something. And like you say, if you don't want to add anything else, just that's it. But you can do things. Now, it will also give you uh, notifications on a certain date and time. So I've already done that. I have actually used the high, medium, low priorities. And what it does is it's in the grouping. It puts it, it, it puts the high ones up first, not in the chronological order they were put in, but it puts the high ones up to, to the top. So that's quite good. The, the only thing that I wasn't so keen on about it, and this is a mine, this is really, really minor, is when you clicked on it to say our job was done, that we tick. It was just too wee. I've got an app called Trolley, which I use for shopping, and it makes a list. You can use it as a to-do list, but it's really for shopping. And when you click on it, it actually like puts a line through it and dulls that to show it's been done. I would like something like that to happen to it, just because I, I didn't find there was enough contrast between things done and things that hadn't been done. And uh, that wee daft tick was just too small for me personally. I would like that to either be a lot bolder or maybe your thing actually, the the, the writing or the to-do, the, the thing on your to-do list, when you ticked it would become a wee bit duller. That's the only thing I would say. Otherwise, it's a great app, nice, simple, black background, white writing, which I personally love on the phone. I think it's a bit, late, bit softer on the eyes. Uh, it's It really, it really was a nice, simple to-do app, but it doesn't do an awful lot else. Uh, I do like the fact you can sync it to, to, you can put it to the calendar as well, and it the events do show up in the calendar, uh, but that's optional. You don't have to use that. But uh, I think, yeah, like you say, don't overdo it. It's What's there is perfect. You don't need to start adding bells and whistles. Oh, so you can you can, you can can get the events to put on your, your Google calendar, can you? Yes, uh -huh. It's, it was, it was, there are a couple of settings you can play about with. So I had that wee bit. I must admit, I don't use the Google Calendar. I just really wanted to try it to see if the feature worked, and it did. Oh, I somehow missed that completely. I don't know how. I, didn't, I, don't, I, don't, I haven't even found any settings. There's just an about. 
But it must be must be somewhere when you, when you're adding the event. I take it then. I thought it was when I initially installed it. I think the initial setup gave me when the first run gave me that. I'm pretty sure that's what I was asked. Do you wish to add this to your calendar? And I put yes. Purely because I don't well, use I, it. I mean, I, I'm not a big fan of Google knowing exactly what I want to do. Yeah, that's strange. I, d- I don't have any such option. I don't remember seeing it. Did you install it from F-Droid? Yes, installed from F-Droid, and it's on, I'm on uh, Lollipop 5 point something something. Oh. Hmm. Well, I'm on, uh, I went back to KitKat after Lollipop annoyed me, so maybe that's a Lollipop thing, although it seems odd that that would be the case. Anyway, I shall go and investigate that, because uh, that might be something I would find useful, but uh, I'm not too bothered. I just want, if I, if I really wanted to put something in my calendar, I would just go to the calendar, and as I say, that was kind of the point of why I wanted the to-do list, was to save my calendar being cluttered up uh, in such a way. Well, that's it, yeah. So, I mean, if it's, if it's, not, uh, if it's not any major thing, it's... Uh... Like I said, I don't use the calendar plain and simply. I tend to add everything to my to-do list, and failing that, I write it on the calendar on the wall in the kitchen. You know, so yeah, I, I do get for somebody who actually loves gadgets. I still am a big fan of paper calendars. Ah, <laughs> uh, oh well. So uh, on to some more music, and uh, the next track is called "Adventure" by. I don't know how to say this quite. Middle Inneris. That sounds that sounds like a joke uh, a joke name you'd ask for when you're making a crank call. Yes, it does. <laughs> I drove ten hours just to see you, just to relive where my heart was, just to face what I have missed. What five years time has done to us We grow old, our faces change Our minds and hearts have been rearranged Our bodies tied with the coming age Our days are numbered and we're not getting
Welcome back, and now we are going to hear from Kevy on uh, something called R-Torrent, which I actually do think I have used in the past. I don't remember when or why I used it, um, but there was some reason why I did. So maybe when you start talking about it, it'll bring back memories. Well, to be honest, I don't really know why I started trying it out, but I just thought I remember doing quite a while ago a command line special where I just looked at command line apps and I thought to myself the one thing I didn't look at was a command line app for BitTorrent so I thought let's give this a wee go so I found I quickly found RTorrent and didn't find a heck of a lot else <laughs> unfortunately um, but anyway how does it go well it certainly is a powerful torrent client it's fully customizable it's you can see why a power user would certainly like it it's with it being command line of course it doesn't have uh a, a, what you might call a slick gui at all it doesn't have any gui but even for a command line uh item it really doesn't have anything that makes it look nice at all it's all text it's all just in uh black and white it doesn't even have like a progress bar or anything like how you might imagine it. It is purely for somebody that wants a no-nonsense torrent, torrent client. Now, I did find that it was a wee bit difficult to set up initially. The, the documentation's a, a bit confusing, but so I went to... I went in a few different sites. I did get some of it. It has got documentation. It's just maybe not the clearest of things. But when you first started up uh, after installing it, now there's one in the repo, so you can get one from GitHub. Oh, sorry, there's a Debian repos. Then it just gives you an error message and closes back down again. And I was going, what was that? That was too quick. I missed that. So that's when I had to go online and find out. And what you have to do is you have to have a config file uh, in your home folder called, uh, I think it's, dot rc torrent or something along those lines the but you have to do that now it says it recommends you go to the the sample one that has been installed i went to the sample folder only to find there was <laughs> no sample there at all so what i did was i i downloaded the i, I just downloaded the sample off the github site so it once you actually got it set up, it wasn't too bad at all. It's everything worked really rather well. You can put it so that you can either have it so that it just starts from afresh every time you start it up, or you can have it so that it's kind of got memory and it creates what's called a waiting list so that if you want to keep on uh, seeding a specific torrent or take downloading a very large torrent, you can. So I did really like it in that respect. I did have one quite major issue with it and it seems like i'm not the only person it's initially it does uh it didn't um it didn't support magnet torrents and then it's from a certain version onwards it just seemed to say yes we now support them add them like a normal torrent now to add a torrent all you just do is either hit enter or hit backspace hit return sorry or hit backspace and just put in your torrent link. So as you can imagine, I was pasting that. I didn't want to type that in. And they both work in the same way. The torrents come in it's very fast than a normal torrent file. However, when I tried it with a magnet, it kept on telling me searching and it would go through this 
thing, you know, connecting to peers, connecting to peers one out of three, connecting to peers two out of three, connecting to peers three out of three, and then it would just keep on telling you unable to connect. So I never actually got it. I mean, I I have spent about three nights on this, just purely dedicated to magnet torrents. Sadly, I was never able to get the magnet torrents to work themselves. The Apart from that, though, I must admit, I did... I like the idea of it. I like how the fact it's so powerful. You can very easily, just by using the arrow keys and various control keys, you can either start, you can stop, you can uh, cancel a torrent completely, you can delete the torrent, you can delete the torrent and the files it creates. I mean, it's very, very, uh, it's, it's very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Oh, my brain is not working tonight. It's very thorough and if with uh, all the key bindings, uh, of course, you've got to learn them. And it, it does actually tell you them fairly easily and fairly clearly on the site. But there are a thousand and one other options that you can actually introduce that I didn't. Purely because I wasn't really 100% sure of what they meant. But if you're into tolerance in a big way, then maybe there are things that are necessary. Sadly, the, the one thing that I found that I really needed, though, was magnet torrents, and I just couldn't do this at all. I, I don't know what I was doing wrong. I went on to several forums, and even somebody posted up their, their configuration file. I tried to copy that, and it still didn't work. I still got the same thing, so I'm not quite sure what's happened there. But uh, the, the torrents did work, uh, just not the magnet ones. Oh, that's a uh, that's a shame. I have to say, I've I, I think I did use our torrent uh, for some reason. I think it was because I was working must be working in the command line. But usually, I just use ktorrent that comes with KDE, which uh, I generally use. Um, but I, what what are these magnet torrent things you're talking about? I'd never come across them. A magnet link. If you, what you do is if you go to, for example, a certain nautically themed uh, BitTorrent site. If you go there now, there is no download button. You only get given a magnet link. And the magnet link, you just copy it and then paste it into your torrent. Now, most of them will do it automatically. You just click on file and open from URL. And without even pasting it, most torrent clients will just, uh, will just go on. will just go, sorry, put it straight from your clipboard in there. So that's one thing that's quite handy. The... It's they are useful for various reasons, uh, security especially. But the likes of if you want to keep on using, like I said, a certain Swedishly themed, uh, Swedish nautically themed uh, torrent site, you can only use uh, magnet torrents. Uh, Kickass and things like that also have them. The but it's it's you just put it in like any other torrent link, and it r should run as normal. Sadly, it it didn't with uh, our torrent. No, oh, that's a that is a that is a shame. No, I've never. I guess I don't use torrents all that much. Just for the, occasionally for the old distro download. That's the uh, that's the main thing I use it for, and quite often for smaller ones like RiskOS today. Uh, I just uh, just downloaded it uh, through a direct link, so I don't even use a torrent for that. Oh well, the if you've no, no no any reason if you've not got any reason to use magnet torrents, then uh, our torrent might be right up your street. Please, I, I would actually like to continue using it, but please, if somebody could actually help me out here, I would be very grateful. I can add the torrent. It's not a problem there. It just never seems to connect. 
I've it, it one of the things it did say was uh on the site was I had to enable had to enable various commands. I did that and I had to have uh uh I had to have a waiting folder or something like that. I assigned a waiting folder. So I've done all that stuff. It's still not actually ever connecting. It's just basically behaving like uh, there's no cedars. That's also basically saying, oh, no, we can't connect to anything. Or And I thought, right, let me try this. Maybe I thought first what was just the two torrents. So I went to the front page, clicked on... Uh, the most popular torrent, which it claimed had over 20,000 cedars. Tried adding that, and it still gave me nothing. So I thought, right, no, there's a settings issue here somewhere. Yeah, I'm afraid I can't help you, but hopefully a kind listener will uh, get in touch and, and, and let you know how to proceed. Yes, indeed. And we'll talk about that actually in the next part, how in fact any kind listener can in fact get in touch. But I think before that, we're going to have uh, a tune. And this is literally a tune. There's no words to this one. In, or sorry, in this version. And this is, the, the band is Brigan, and it's a well-known Irish tune, Whiskey in the Jar. <laughs>
whiskey in the jar. Good old favourite. Reminds me of my holidays in Ireland and makes me think of Thin Lizzy and Full Lineit. And talking about whiskey in the, the jar, um, we have our Glasgow pod crawl coming up on July the 10th and um, probably will be drinking more in the way of ale than whiskey, but I couldn't I wouldn't really like to rule out that some whiskey will be consumed at some point. Would you, Kevy? Oh, definitely not. Although I must admit, I don't think we're quite at the stage where we're drinking it directly from the jar. We're a bit more civilised than that. We'll probably go for a glass. Yes, a, a small glass, maybe a double, perhaps, but no, not a jar of whiskey. No, no, we're, we've got to be civilised. I mean, at, at the end of the day, we're we're not eighteen anymore, either of us. So <laughs> we've got to we've got to pace ourselves. Otherwise, Saturday's a washout. <laughs> Uh, so, should we just remind our listeners what's happening in, on Friday, July the 10th? Yes, indeed. We are going to meet up in the State Bar, and that's on Holland Street. It's just off Socky Hall Street. Uh, it's it's fairly central. The best way to think of it is, if you know Glasgow at all, if you're walking along Socky Hall Street, it's beyond the pedestrianised area, and then on the right-hand side, there's the Campus Bar. It has absolutely loads and loads of flags outside it. So if you see that, take the next street on the left, and that's Holland Street, and it's about two doors down from Sochi. So it's it's very easy to find. Now, we're going to meet there Friday the 10th of July at 6 p.m. Now, as I remember this from last year. The state does not do any food, so please uh, have something to eat before you come out, because otherwise you may be home in a taxi quite quickly. Yes, that's a good piece of advice. And uh, I think we'll probably plot our course through the pubs of Glasgow according to ones that do good beers. Because I think last year we went to a fairly new place that didn't really do beer that was that good. And it was all cold, laggery stuff, which is good if you like cold, laggery stuff. But I don't. I like uh, I like more of the real ale sort of camera, you know proper beer that's not quite served so so chilled so we'll plot our way through real ale bars and of course you can always get if you <laughs> get the, the more usual laggers and ciders if that's what you usually want so we're not going to be totally uh totally insisting that you only drink real ales yeah and the other thing was one of the bars we went to last year as well uh it was rather loud, so it was very Duffer-esque, the pub crawl last year, pod crawl last year, because we're like, what? I said, it's too loud. What? It's too loud in here. We've got to move on. So, yeah, it, it will be. It's it's If you're the kind of hard partier who actually has to have a beat and, uh, you know, very loud music, this probably isn't going to be the crawl for you. <laughs> yes, indeed. Yes. And uh, unfortunately... If we, we 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 would love to do real ill pubs that play Creative Common licensed music, but the latter is pretty hard to come by. So I think we'll just have to make do with with whatever music they happen to be playing. And as as you alluded to, actually some of the best pubs that serve good beer don't play much in the way of music. I was going to say that, yeah, but for us Duffers, it's definitely, or well, Duffer and training in my case, I'm not officially there yet, but uh, I've got the Duffer heart, <laughs> but the, yeah, it's definitely more for the, uh, we, we prefer actually not to actually have any music at all, we we prefer the, one one prefers a social intercourse, yeah. Yes, indeed, yes, we like to, to discuss and challenge each other with, uh, with, with interesting uh, topics of discussion. I'm aware that most people won't recognise us from a podcast, so we've got that sorted. 
the t-shirts have arrived they're black t-shirts take with the tux jam and pod crawl logo on the front and they have got kevy and mcnalu on the back of them so if you see kevy it'll be me no surprise uh you can't really miss it because it's black with orange writing kevy and the same with andrew it's mcnalu so yeah have a look out for that yes and hopefully we won't get Descended upon by a rowdy hen party shouting our names because they're written in our shirts. Um, and, and, and actually, it's not that that's bad if that does happen because I've discovered that you can easily outrun them because they're wearing the hen parties tend to wear the most awfully fitting shoes, so you can easily outrun them. Yes, indeed. But, but then again, it, it does good to boost the ego every now and again. <laughs> No, I'm going to run away. I'm, I, I'm going to run away at maximum speed. You can stay and fight a rear guard action if you want. <laughs> right then. So, yeah, the other thing is just worthwhile noting is that you you mentioned that you were supposed to have been on a podcast, and that is indeed correct. The with uh, with myself and Dave Morris did a podcast on Saturday and it is an HPR episode especially dedicated to more info about the pod crawl and it will be released I think on the 10th of uh, June so it's the 10th of June on HPR Hacker Public Radio so if you want to go ahead you, if you want to really want to listen to it now you can just go at the calendar and look ahead to the 10th of June it's there but if you listen to them in the days they come out it, it won't be out till then. And I should also mention that um, that we seem to be uh, getting uh, Dave set up for becoming a, a future TuxJam co-host because I have also done an HBR with Dave, but uh, on Magnitude, and I think that's coming up this week sometimes, an HPR episode uh, about uh, uh, our experiences with Magnitude. But if you're a TuxJam listener, my tracks won't be a huge surprise to you because you'll have heard most of them before, I think, apart from one. Uh, and that's like a very long, weird one, which uh, Kevy, Kevy lets me play my long, weird ones at the end, but not of the length of 14 minutes. I think that's that's right helped. So um, uh, so I, I've indulged myself a little bit in that podcast with Dave. 14 minutes, my word. Right, you need to get that in a CC jam or something. <laughs> Yep. Okay. Well, I can certainly do that. Yes. So if you want to contact us about anything, and if please someone can help me with my R-Torrent problem, then feel free. Uh, the email for the show is tuxjam at unseenstudio.co.uk. Now that comes through to me at present. Not sure why it doesn't come through to you, Andrew, but it should. But also, please contact me on that address if you've got anything, want anything to do with... Uh, the pod crawl any questions anything like that one last thing before i forget it is probably worth mentioning we're not staying in the same place all night so uh, on various social media we'll use the term hashtag uh glasgow pod crawl oh, no, no sorry pod crawl glasgow so the, the worthwhile actually mentioning that just in case you don't turn up to like eight nine o'clock at night might be worth checking that every time we move to a different place i'll post something using that hashtag Yep, and that's good. That's a good point, and and I'll try and make sure that uh, that I uh, well, we try and keep that on Twitter and also in the GNU social fediverse where we're both fairly uh, fairly present. Yes, indeed. Yes. So, also speaking of that, uh, there is an account at Unseen Studio on. Uh, well, there's still one on Identica officially. It hasn't been updated in ages. There's one on joindiaspora.com 
www.fragdev.com uh, on Twitter and also on micro.fragdev.com. Now, that is purely for announcing shows. If you want to yarn to us, I'm at kevy on micro.fragdev.com and I am on Twitter. I'm at kevy49 uh, there. So I'll hand it over to Andrew for last bit. Yeah, and I'm McNallu on uh, GNU Social and well, at same place as Kevin McNallu and uh, uh, micro.fragdev.com and you can find me as McNallu also on Twitter. And I think that pretty much wraps it up. So this will uh, do it for the May oh, edition oh, of Tux Chat. Oh. oh no, hang on, we've forgotten that we did have some feedback. Oh yes, um, we had feedback, yeah. yes. And it was uh, from our faithful listener, uh, Chol Colom, uh, who uh, was giving uh, uh, the, the, that app, I forget, is it Twidier? Is that the name of it? Twidier, correctly. Yes. yes. And so he was saying, um, now he thought it didn't do conversations, but it does. So if you did see that conversation in uh, the GNU Social Fediverse, it does do conversations. Um, but it is restricted to 140 characters, which... I think for you, Chalcolom and I, is a bit of a pain because our server will do 1,140 characters if we want it to. Although I generally try and keep mine shorter. Um, but that, uh, but uh, was was there anything else that cropped up there, Kevy? No, that was it. I must admit, I didn't actually notice at the time of uh, reviewing it that it actually did limit to 140. But one of the things that I did actually do, I, w I wasn't able to get the integrated timeline. That's no biggie. I wasn't that bothered. But it had actually made it an awful lot easier on that update. It had made it an awful lot easier to cross post. And I now am actually posting at the same time to both uh, Twitter and uh, the good news social. And it's really, ha it's really useful. All you just do is when you go to post, there's a bit on the bottom with your avatar. Click on it. And if you've got like six uh, accounts set up with Twidier, you can just click on the ones you want to use and post, and it will post them all simultaneously. So that actually is a handy feature that I I almost dissed last time because it was on it before, but they changed the way you did it. So that that feature is there. Right. Okay. And uh, just to encourage you, if you've got any feedback on anything we've said, or you disagree with us, or we've got some extra information, please do get in touch with Light Feedback. Yes, indeed. Yes. Right then. So that, as I said, wraps it up for the May edition of Tux Jam. So please, hopefully, well, we'll have one more, but one more show before the pod crawl. But we would really like if you're in the south of Scotland at all uh, on the 10th of July, we would really love to meet up with some of our listeners and also fellow podcasters. Ah, one one person who we did get a reply from, and I almost forgot about this, was uh, somebody who we might know before. Another Andrew, not you, but Andrew Gregory. Uh, said to me on Twitter, he was coming up to Podcrawl Glasgow. So he had said, sorry for the delay. I just wanted to make sure I could. So the answer is yes. And of course, this confused the heck out of me because I didn't know what he was talking about. So this is when I used the conversation feature and realized he was answering, are you coming to Podcrawl Glasgow? So it'll be good to meet up with him in the flesh. Indeed, yes, that'd be great. And uh, and uh, uh, And he, like you, might end up staying at my house, although I don't know if he is as yet, but I don't know if he's got any friends, other friends in Glasgow he's visiting, but uh, yeah, it'll be great to have him along. Yes, indeed. So as long as he enjoys, uh, you know, real ale, malt whiskeys and fine cigars, then he'll fit right in with us. 
Yes, well, I'm pretty sure he does like whiskey. He has mentioned that at least once to me. So, uh, that brings us to the end. Uh, we're not quite finished yet. We've got one more track, and it's something to uh, wind you down um, uh, and relax you. It's uh, from an album called Shop Sessions by The Dimples, and it's called Murmurations.
You've been listening to a member of the Unseen Studio Podcast Network. 